Champions Mojo is part of the CG Sports Network. I think it's really important is you should never share a goal with somebody that's not going to support your goal. The last thing you want to do is say, hey, I'm going to do this. And the person laughs at you and says, you can't do that. Those are not the people you want to be around. You want to be around the people that are going to support your goals and are going to help move you forward because they're supporting your goals. Welcome to the award-winning Champions Mojo, hosted by two world record-holding athletes and health, life, and leadership coaches. Be inspired as you listen to Conversations with Champions. And now, your hosts, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast. And as usual, I am co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hey, Maria. Hi, Kelly. It's great to be here. I know we're both super excited today, Maria, as our special guest is three-time Olympic champion, Melissa Belote Ripley. And we're going to say hello to Melissa as she sits there. Hey, Melissa Belote, good to have you. Hi, how are you all doing? Doing great. Great to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. And now we're going to give Melissa her full introduction that she has certainly earned. And just for those that may not be completely familiar with Melissa Willard's background, she is most known for winning three Olympic gold medals at the age of 15 at the 1972 Summer Olympics. Yes, that is Melissa Belote. She was the Olympic champion in the 100 and 200 meter backstroke, and she was part of the four by 100 medley relay, setting world records in these events along the way. She also made her second Olympic team in 1976. She went on to swim at Arizona State, where she won six individual national collegiate swimming titles and led ASU to two national championships. She was a four-time All-American at ASU. She won the esteemed Broderick Award, which is awarded to the most outstanding woman college swimmer in the country. Melissa initially retired from swimming in 1979, and then in 1983, she was inducted into the Swimming Hall of Fame. And Maria, with a history like (laughs) that, we want to hear what has Melissa been up to recently, you know, in broad strokes. Right. So Melissa's stayed on the pool deck on and off for the last 35 years. She started her coaching career at Solitar Swim Team. She coached at Phoenix Swim Club, Sun Devil Aquatics, McClintock High School in Tempe, Arizona. And she currently coaches the USA Rio Salado Swim Team. But arguably most interesting about Melissa's career and life is the fact that she's returned to competing and swimming again the year she turned 60. In 2016, she won three U.S. Masters Swimming National titles and has since earned six more national titles, including three this spring. This summer in 2022 is the 50th anniversary of when 15-year-old Melissa Bloat took the world by storm and brought home three Olympic golds for the U.S. Now it's time to get some mojo from this champion. Melissa, we're so glad to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's exciting to be with you all today. I think that Maria and I came up with our very first question. What could we start out asking Melissa that would really be like, if we could only have one question, here she is. I think it would be as Maria alluded to, it's been exactly 50 years since you did this amazing thing. And what has that meant to you? What is looking back on it now, 50 years later? And have you even thought about that this is the 50th anniversary? And what is the Melissa of today? Think about the Melissa of 1972. Oh my gosh, it's really hard to believe it's been 50 years. (laughs) Sometimes I think it was yesterday. 
And other times I think, oh gosh, I'm really old. It was a long time ago. (laughs) But what's really exciting to me is opening ceremonies was on my dad's 51st birthday. Wow. So August 26 was opening ceremonies. And so I dedicated my swimming to my mom and dad with the idea that they were not in Munich. I have two other sisters and they had things that were going on with my sisters that they needed to be there with. So my coach and his wife were there, but it's amazing. And I have to laugh because today at master's practice, I looked at everybody. I said, you know, you realize my pool buoy is going to be 50 years old (laughs) in August. (laughs) We went to Olympic training camp you know, Olympic training camp is like, you get gifts every day. Hmm. Hey, guess what? The kickboards all just arrived. Everybody gets a brand new kickboard. The pull boys just arrived. Everybody gets a pull boy. Hand pedals came in, pull tubes came in, bathing suits came in, caps came in, you know, all the different things. So my pull boy, I am still using my pull boy that I got at Olympic training camp in 72, but 50 years. I mean, that's an incredible amount of time. Yeah. And one of the things I wonder about, swimming has changed so much in certain areas. For instance, we're all putting on these lovely fast skin suits and at 65 years old, they're not really meant for us. They're meant for the 20s and the 30s and the teens, but we're still pouring ourselves into (laughs) these suits, fighting to get the suit up so we can get in the pool and swim and maybe be a little faster because we have a fast skin on. So that's pretty new. The second thing that's very, very new is they have these ledges for backstroke where you can bring your toes down and we're like, okay, that's cheating because (laughs) we used to be able in short course to put our toes in the gutter, but in long course, you always had to have flat feet. So you never got that advantage and you never really felt like backstroke starts were great long course. And then of course the turns, when we would train and we'd be like, oh my gosh, do I have to hit this wall one more time and do my pivot turn? Because it wasn't really a flip turn. We actually started those turns in the 70s because we would be like, all right, Mr. Solitar is not watching. We'll just cross over and flip. (laughs) And we're like, why can't we do these turns? Well, they're illegal because you're not finishing on your back. You know, and and those things, it's just really kind of funny how things evolve. But I would like to know, and I don't know who out there in the swimming world could figure this out, but I know there's somebody that could. Truly, what is the difference between the 200 backstroke that I swam in Munich at 219.19, I was the first female to ever break 220, and the 203, that is the world record right now. Because let's say we have fast skins, and I think I read something a while back that Katie Ledecky felt that a fast skin attributed a second and a half per hundred, something along those lines. But it doesn't account for the new crossover turns, and of course, there's three turns. And the underwater, because we came off the wall, we popped right up and we got right into our stroke. Right. And I really wonder that 219 to that 203, how close that 219 would be to that 203 today if I had that ability to use that back then along with the basket. So that's been kind of one of the fun things that I've been thinking about and have been thinking about, you know, ever since the strokes and everything and and swimming has changed. Yeah. And I just wonder today if we had that, what you know, whether at that time I could have gone to 12, you know, 214, you know, even maybe even a 210 back then. And it's not just for me, it's for look at breaststroke. Breaststroke's an entirely different stroke. 
But this 50 year anniversary is kind of cool. We've got to know, though, after all that time off, what made you decide to get back in the water and start competing? I always said, because Masters started in the 70s when I was in the height of my swimming, and I got ready to retire, and I'm like, ugh, I do not want to spend more time on the pool deck. And when I first graduated um, from ASU, and I moved back to Northern Virginia, I got a job with Xerox Corporation, and I would try and get in the water because I didn't have a whole lot of else going on. I thought this is good exercise. I love being in the water. I feel very at home in the water. And then coaching came into my life. And I would spend in Potomac Valley, I would spend three weekends a month at a swim meet. And I would be on the pool deck coaching mornings and afternoons. And the last thing that I wanted to do was take my own personal time that I didn't have a lot of, go back to the pool Mm swim for me and spend my one lone weekend at a swim meet. Mm. And so I said, you know, this is just not for me. Plus, I also felt like I was really happy with my swimming career. I left no stones unturned. I did everything that I wanted to do. I met every single goal I wanted to do. And I like, I don't have anything to prove. I don't need to go back and do this. I turned 50 and my kids, Rachel and Eric, starting giving me grief because they're swimmers and I'm at their swim meets and I coached them when they were little. They're like, mom, you need to get back in the water. And so I went to master's nationals that year and we didn't fly in until after the meet had started. So I missed the 50 backstroke. So I decided, all right, I'm just swim backstroke instead of 50 freestyle. And my daughter's like, mom, You should not be doing that. You need to swim freestyle and you need to see what you can do in freestyle. Don't do backstroke. And I decided I was going to do it backstroke. So I hopped in the water and I did a 50 backstroke as opposed to a 50 freestyle. And she's like, oh, and so then I won the hundred back and I won the 200 back. And I had never had a fast skin on before. That was the first time I ever had a fast skin on. So I'm like, okay, this is pretty interesting. And then they had the meet here in Mesa and I had a horrible meet. Here I am on my home front. Some of my kids came out to watch me and I'm like, oh, God, I'm swimming horrible. And I didn't do a good job training that year. I was too much in and out, in and out, in and out. And, you know, consistency is the key to everything. You've got to be consistent. And so I just kind of got in the water and I sort of did my thing and I wasn't really happy with it. But on the same respect, I got to see so many friends and so many people I haven't seen from years. And that truly is what master swimming is all about meeting new people, catching up with people that you see maybe once or twice a year, and just having a great time. So what's your biggest challenge now? So my biggest challenge for swimming right now is when I was four years old, I broke my arm. I jumped out of a swing. We were having a contest, our neighborhood, and you were supposed to get on the swing and pump your legs. And your foot was supposed to touch the leaf on the tree. And then on the next pump, you were supposed to jump out off the swing and land on your feet. Well, since it was my idea to do this, I did it first. Well, I touched the leaf with my foot. I jumped. I landed on my feet, but I fell forward. And the kids started laughing at me because I didn't do what was supposed to be done. But my bone popped out of my elbow. Ah! (laughs) And the kids were laughing at me so hard because I didn't do what because I was kind of like the neighborhood organizer of games and activities and stuff. I pushed the bone back in my arm. I got back on the swing and did it again. And of course, the same thing. My toe hit the leaf. 
I landed on my feet. I fell forward on my arm. And this time it was really bad. So I said, I need to go home. So I jumped the fence, little three foot fence. I threw the door open to her house. I go, mom, look at my arm. And so we went out to National Orthopedic in Arlington at Glebe Road. And of course, that's not there anymore. And I had my arm put back together. Well, what I didn't know is because I broke my arm in so many places, it was like in eight or 10 places I broke my arm because I did it twice. I was in traction for six weeks. I was in a cast for 12 weeks. They did 12 weeks of PT on my arm. So I've always been able to pull harder on my right arm because my raw arm is stronger because of PT at four years old. So my backstroke's always been a little unbalanced. So wait, you broke your right arm and that's the stronger arm. Yeah, it's a stronger arm. So it pulls me because of the PT. It pulls me in directions I don't necessarily want to go if I'm not thinking about staying balanced. Wait, I just got to go back. At four years old, you were organizing yes. the neighborhood kids to yes. pump oh, their I legs. I organized all the games. I and and wait a minute. At four years old, you broke your arm on the first thing, and then you got back on the swing at four years yes. old. My this is why my goodness. personality is the way it is. You know, it's like, I just got to keep going. I just got to keep going. <laughs> and my mom and dad and the neighbors all said, when I was in hospital for six weeks, Everybody walked around the neighborhood moping because I wasn't there to organize all the activities and do everything. And they couldn't wait for me to get back. And then while I was in the hospital, my mom was making me all these broken arm clothes so I could have clothes to wear because I had to have this cast on for 12 weeks. So yeah, I have been from way back to what I can remember, always kind of like the ringleader, you know, the one that advocates for everything, the cheerleader you know, the loudest person. What, what Melissa, I, what gets you down? Doesn't seem like, I mean, a, does anything get you down? Yeah. I mean, if you talk to my husband, I'm great out in public, but I, when I need to come home and be like, oh, I can fall apart in front of my husband. <laughs> so this broken arm, did it affect your swimming season that you said you had the bad performance in? I think it was just very inconsistent training. What does consistent training look like for you now at this point in your career of swimming? We swim four days a week and sometimes on Sunday. We have a great little group. Our master's program swims in three different pools. And we like to think we're the better pool. We don't have a coach on deck because I'm there. And I call the workouts. And now I've trying to train some other people. So I'm like, I don't want to know what the workout is. So I've got a couple other people that will call workouts and now they've gotten used to my workouts. They understand. So we really train Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And on Thursday, we take a day that's just nothing but technique. The person that's got the technique that has been really focusing is going to put it all together and just zoom by. If you had to say one secret weapon you had with being so successful in your swimming, what would that be? There wasn't a day in my swimming career that I second guessed what I was doing. I loved it. I love to train. So Melissa, one of the things we really wanted to get from you was how few Olympians actually participate in master swimming. So you love to train, but it is so unusual for you to have been number one on the world stage and when I've talked to other, you know, Olympic champions and you ask them, you know, why don't you master swim? It's so fun. You love swimming. They'll say, you know, well, I've already done it on the biggest stage. It's just, right. I don't want to. So why do you do it 
I have nothing to prove. And most of the time I'm not happy with my swims because I have part of my brain that says that wasn't good enough because I'm looking at my times and I'm 65 years old and I'm going, this is crap. I should be able to go faster than this because I know me. On the other hand, I'm 65 years old. You know, I'm not doing two hour practices a day. I'm on my legs all the time. So my legs are always trashed and tired. But I went back and the minute I started back, it was like I was starting all over again. I mean, the honest truth is, and my daughter gets on me about this, I don't care what I do. I don't care if I go in there and I swim and, you know, lap people or get out touched or somebody older than me swims faster than me and all these people younger swimming faster than me. I just enjoy being there. I have to laugh and say, I told my boss, David Tate, I said, David, you need to understand. And I never usually swim alone. I'm always with somebody. But I always said, David, I said, I've already always told my husband that if for some reason I'm swimming and I die in the water, he's not going to come after you. Nobody in the family is going to come after you because I drowned in your pool or died in your pool. You have to know that I died happy and I died really enjoying what I was doing. So you just love to swim. I do. I love being in the water. I was a water rat. And when the summer pools opened up, our Northern Virginia Swim League pools, we would go to practice, ride our bikes home, have lunch, ride back to the pool, get in the pool, stay there until six o'clock at night, at which point they kick everybody out that's under 12, ride my bike home, eat my dinner. Mom, dad, you got to take me back to the pool, back to the pool, shutting the pool down, last one out. I was also one of those kids that when they were getting the pools ready to open for Memorial Day, we'd go and hang around the pool after school because they were cleaning the pool. They were getting the pool ready. And because people knew us, they would invite us in and we could get in the pool early and start swimming. I mean, I'm just, I'm a water rat. I love it. The mermaid. Yeah. I feel like really, I kind of missed my calling that I should have been some sort of a fish because I feel (laughs) so comfortable in the water. Especially swimming backstroke, not so much the other strokes, but backstroke. (laughs) That is so awesome. When I go to Masters Nationals, I only swim backstroke. I'm just not interested in swimming the other things. But see, my daughter's like, Mom, we had just had this conversation the other day. You have to get better. You have to push harder in practice. You have to work harder. You need to bring those times down. You need to set some goals to break some world records. I'm like, Rachel, I don't care about that. Mom, you have to care about it. (laughs) That's who you are. I'm like, no, that was a part of my life. But she just wants me to get back up there. And, you know, I love swimming long course more than short course. And I would love to be at Richmond this summer. But we haven't been back to Virginia since 2019 before the pandemic. And I have a nephew getting married. So my husband and I are taking three weeks and we're flying back to Norfolk, Virginia on the 11th of August. And we're not coming home till Labor Day. And so we're going to visit my son. We're going to go visit my older sister and my younger sister and their families and then do the family wedding and go visit a really close cousin of mine in Virginia Beach and then fly up and visit Rachel in New York and then come back home and go back. So I can't fly to Richmond, swim, come back home and then fly back. And I hear that pool is fabulous. It's a beautiful pool. So unfortunately, I'm not there. But I just told the masters, I said, guys, next summer, it's in Sarasota. We got to be there. And, you know, when they announced it was going to be in Irvine, we're like, we can just rent this big, huge thing and fill it with everything we need and drive over there. (laughs) That's wonderful. 
So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So we've just got a couple more questions for you because, you know, we want to be respectful of your time. So all the champions that you've been a champion, you've coached champions, you've raised champion swimmers as your own kids. What do you think some of the commonalities that champions share are? First of all, I think the number one thing is we all have some sort of natural ability and we were born with it. I have very hyperextended elbows. I've never met a world-class backstroker that was not to some degree hyperextended. I can catch the water faster because of my hyperextension. I get my hand in the water faster and I can hold the water longer. Mark Spitz is hyperextended in his knees. He doesn't ever stand straight up. He leans over a little bit because he's so hyperextended. You know, breaststrokers have that very loose hip joint, you know, where the ball in the socket moves really, really fast and very easily as opposed to a tight. I mean, so there's commonalities that a lot of athletes have because that's how they were born. That's how they were built. What else? The other thing is, it's, I think it's a love. It starts out as a love. Then it starts out as major desire. Because you eat it up, you love it. You want to get into it. You want to move forward. It feels so great. And you're just a competitor. You're a competitor in just about everything that you do, whether you're playing cards with the family or you're competing in the backyard playing croquet or something like that. You're always competing. Plus, I think the other thing is they know where they're going. I have always known where I'm going. Even from a very young age, I knew where I wanted to go to next. I knew how I wanted to get there. I have a path. I have major goals. And I don't have far-reaching goals. I have stepping stone goals. And that's the key. I want to get to here, but I'm not anywhere near it. So if I set a goal out here and I keep going and competing and I'm not reaching that goal, then it starts to get hard to deal with. The stepping stone goals, goals keep you moving forward. So if I want to go like 30 seconds and 53 and I'm at 34, setting a goal for 30 seconds isn't realistic. I have to be able to break 15 seconds on a flip turn to even think about breaking 30. Well, if I can't go under 16 seconds, I'm not breaking 30. So you have to put the things together and you also have to goal set. So if I'm in a 34, I need to get under 34. Once I get under 34, and that's a stepping stone, and I achieved it, so I'm moving forward. Then I need to think about how quickly I can get to 33. You know, low 33, maybe a high 32, and keep moving forward. The idea you're going to have setbacks because you don't always do your best time, but you're always having this mojo getting you moving forward. You're always moving forward. Now, yes, you have setbacks. You get sick. You can't attend this meet. You break an arm, you know, whatever. Then you have to readjust and get back on track and keep moving. But the biggest thing, and I try and impress upon this on all the summers, is you have to believe in yourself. And when it gets really hard and you haven't seen a best time in six months, you have to keep believing. You have to believe that you're doing the work that you're putting the time in, and it's going to turn around for you. And too many kids, maybe even adults, get lost in that, and they can't wrap their head around it and deal with it. And that's really hard. It's very difficult. Swimming is not sport for most people that you get instantaneous results. You have to put in the time. 
You have to put in the work. You have to have a little bit of luck on your side that the taper is going to work and the shave is going to be wonderful. And then you're going to achieve that time. You seem to be a champion goal setter. What is one key piece of advice for setting goals? I think it's really important is you should never share a goal with somebody that's not going to support your goal. The last thing you want to do is say, hey, I'm going to do this. And the person laughs at you and says, you can't do that. Those are not the people you want to be around. You want to be around the people that are going to support your goals and are going to help move you forward because they're supporting your goals. Nice, nice. All right, Melissa, are you ready for the sprinter round of fun questions? Cat or dog? Cat. Are you a bed maker in the morning or not a bed maker? I make the bed after I get home from practice because my husband's still in bed. (laughs) Okay. That's a good answer. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Oh, I should be eating dark chocolate, but I love milk chocolate. Kickboard or no kickboard? No kickboard backstroke. Okay. Mountains or beach? Beach all the way. Okay. Football or baseball? Football, absolutely. Android or iPhone? I hate technology. (laughs) (laughs) Up until three years ago, I had a flip phone. And I refused to use any other phone. But I would talk to my kids and I would be working on things. And I split so many flip phones. My husband goes, if you split one more flip phone, I'm getting you an iPhone or getting you a, a regular smartphone. I went, okay. So I split it. We went out and bought it. I'm like, I don't even know how to do this. I mean, I gave my phone to people. Put your phone number in. Do not text me. I don't text. Now I text. So I have an Android. Ah. My kids tell me I should have an Apple phone. They both do, but I don't. So anyway. Okay. okay. Very cool. Maria and I have Android phones. Okay. Coffee or tea? Tea. Tea. Are you a morning person or a night owl? I do both. I won't go to bed till 11 o'clock at night and I get up before 5 a.m. But I do now that I'm older, I do come home and take a little nap. (laughs) Okay. I have no problem getting up in the morning. Fingernail polish or no fingernail polish? Oh, no, because I'm terrible. I bite my fingernails and I always have. My fingernails are so ugly. They're horrible. (laughs) They're absolutely horrible. All right. I got the last 10. Favorite color? Blue. Favorite pizza topping? Green pepper and pepperoni. Okay. Favorite vegetable? Oh, that's a tough one. My husband will tell me I should say broccoli. And we do eat a ton of broccoli, but it's not my favorite. I love carrots. Okay. Favorite swim complex in the U.S.? Oh, gosh. Man, that's a really tough one. Well, let's see what's your, one of your favorites. I love that pool in Gresham. What kind of music do you like? 60s and 70s. Beatles, Rolling Stone, Doors. Okay. What's your shoe size? 11. Can you cook? I can, but I choose not to. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. A woman after my own heart. Because I'm always on the pool deck. Yeah. So when the kids were little, I did breakfasts and lunches. Rich always did dinner because I was still on the pool deck. So I wasn't there to do dinner. And as the kids have grown on and they're on their own, Rich pretty much cooks, but I do all the holiday cooking because I love holiday cooking. Nice. This is the last one. Okay. What word comes to mind when you dive in the water? Totally refreshing. Nice. So refreshing. 
That's a great yes. word. Yeah. Yeah. Melissa, this has just been such an honor and a privilege for us to be able to speak with you. And this has been so much fun. I've really enjoyed this a lot. Yeah. It's been really fun for us. Stay tuned for the takeaways. Want to succeed like a champion? Five-time Olympic coach Bob Bowman, coach of Olympic legend Michael Phelps, says Kelly's book, Take Your Mark Lead, is a powerful addition to your personal improvement library, and learners from all walks of life will gain key insights and enjoy this inspiring book. Take Your Mark Lead, debuted as an Amazon number one bestseller in five categories and is available online. And now, the takeaways. Okay, Maria, the takeaways on our childhood hero, Melissa Belote, Olympic champion three times. What was your first takeaway? Oh, I was just blown away by how much she loved swimming. You know, just that was, you know, she loved swimming. She loved swimming for herself. She loved swimming for her kids. She loved swimming for her other master's people. She loved swimming. So my takeaway from that is like, Develop that love and desire of your sport. Find a sport that you love and then just go with it. Her love of swimming just blew me away. What about you? Yes. I think the key there is if you really love something, then you can be successful at the highest level because you've got to have some extra oomph to get there. Right. I loved that. And I think kind of connected with that is she was very... She said, when we asked her, what do you think champions share? She said that it feels real. Hmm. And I think that's another way of saying be authentic. So find that passion, find whatever you really love. And when you're pursuing something, I think we may need to listen to that inner voice more where instead of like, you know, I'm doing this, but maybe it's something my parents wanted me to do, or maybe it's something that society tells me that I should, 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 should do. But she said that champions know what feels real. And I think that's like, do you know that this workout is right for you? This stroke is right for you. This passion is right for you. So I love that. That was my, my first takeaway was she seemed to follow her authentic self, which she said was being a water rat was being what she loved. So that was my first. Well, my second takeaway is one we've talked about so much, but it seems so important in master swimming and all sports community, you know, just that she said, I was able to succeed because of all the people who supported me, including she talked about her mom, the team, she talked about other people, strangers, you know, and that she is still doing it and enjoying it because of the people. Community is so important. And that's been true for me too. And everything I've ever done. Yeah, me too. Me too. And my final one is, Never share a goal with a non-supporter. You know, you said that was not one you'd heard frequently. I have always espoused that. I really believe that the way she said it was that like, don't share your goals with somebody unless they are going to help with that goal because they could shoot it down and then that's not good. And you know who those people are. So yeah, sometimes you know who they are. I mean, I think the first time they shoot it down. (laughs) <laughs> you don't ever yeah. share a goal with them again. No. Yeah, that's true. I don't have too many people like that in my life. So yeah, that's yeah. good. All right, Maria, another great one in the books. Yeah, and right. it's been so wonderful sharing this with you. I love you so much. Love you too, Kelly. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Champions Mojo podcast. Did you enjoy the show? We'd be grateful if you would leave us a five-star review on iTunes to help others find us. And we'd also love to hear from you. We're on all social media platforms, or you can reach us at championsmojo.com.